podcast 261, Paul and Jocelyn talk about residual income streams. Sponsored by my buddies at PantryParatus.com. They sell food preservation tools. Produce, prepare, preserve your own harvest. This might be one of our less organized podcasts. I don't know. We have a comprehensive list. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure how much this has to do with permaculture, although I guess it, you can think of it as a permaculture form of finances. Much like how a hugelkultur bed is something when you build it, then it's a gift to your future self. I mean, that's kind of what this podcast is about, but it's more about a monetary gift to your future self. Well, and it's it's also a big part of what you want to talk about to help move projects forward projects with your empire and projects here at the project um yeah and and, you know we should also say it's been a long time since we've recorded a podcast um and and it's been one of those things where it's kind of like uh there's been a, a a lot of focus on we need to get these things done now they are a higher priority than podcasts or videos or whatever um so uh at the time that we are recording this, the Rocket Mass Heater DVDs are now available for sale. People have been buying them. Um, and we're in the middle of our uh, uh, Kickstarter for the um, permaculture playing cards. And um, and it seems like I spend probably 80% of my day um, – you know, trying to um, arrange things um, with different people. And and there's gotten to be a lot of things that become clear enough and important enough that it's kind of like, how you know, we need to convey this information to streamline things for ourselves as well as um, hopefully it's of value to the people that take the time to listen to these podcasts. I, I still think that we've only got like 5,000 people that listen to the podcast, which – Today seems like a low number to me. Um, Jack has 85,000 people listening to his podcasts. And um, when I put out a video, um, it seems like uh, it'll it'll easily get like 15,000, 20,000 views. So it's like the podcast audience is smaller. But I, I also feel like I thin the herd a lot so that they're going to be more aligned with my interests. Yeah. I'm 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 not trying to cater to a large audience. The people that are listening to the podcast are the most dedicated to, to the things that we try to convey. So I I kind of feel like this information, you know, I it, it's good to pass this information on to them. So today's topic is going to be about residual income streams and um I don't know, more like business, permaculture business. Well, and I think I think that's very important to talk about and it in and, and it ties in with a lot of things here at Paul's farm or the project as you like to call it be it there's so much going on with that as well and the the discussions so we've just been talking for about two or three hours before we turn this on mm-hmm. about and it started with um, that uh, I've got so much to do and it's like with the permaculture playing cards, I it actually I mentioned it in an earlier podcast, and then somebody said I'm going to make it happen, and I said I will support you. I will you know help with the marketing. I'll help with the Kickstarter and everything. And I don't know whatever happened to that person. 
and then I, I kind of, you can kind of see the thread where it came up, and, and uh, there were some ideas flying, and I said, hello, hello, hello. And then finally I said, okay, you know what, um, 48 hours, if I don't hear back from you, I'm, I think that this idea is so important that I'm going to try and um, foist it onto somebody else who will run with it, um, you know, but you got to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I think actually two weeks went by afterwards, as I gave the 48-hour notice, and then I went around and I tried to push it on a variety of different people, including you. Yep, including me, and I thought, oh, that'd be so cool, and I just didn't have the bandwidth. Um, I, you know, was doing my own business stuff that I was overwhelmed with, and doing other things, and I just couldn't figure out how to fit it in. Plus, I didn't have a very good graphic sense. So, and, and in retrospect of seeing you work with Alex on the amazing graphics on these cards, I'm just, in a way, so glad you did it because I could not have had um, the feedback you've had or the experience or knowledge of graphics and visual stuff with that. I, I just didn't think I Anyway, well, and and of course, all the beauty that comes from it is entirely Alexander, mm-hmm. and um, and Alexander Ojeda. You, you've heard him in many of my podcasts here, and um, uh, so we've we ended up. So I I tried to push it onto a bunch of other people, and I would get a lot of like, yeah, I'm going to totally do that, and then a month or two later, it hasn't started, and um, finally. Um, it's like one of those things I just felt it was so important that they needed to exist because I perceive this this gap. There's this enormous gap and um, a niche, and it, and it's it's just painful. Um, and I think a lot of permaculture people are in this position where it's like, and in fact, think of Ivan. Remember Ivan? Mm-hmm. And and it's like he was going to get married. And and then he got the permaculture bug, and he got it. He understood it. And his fiance did not, and so they went separate ways. And it just seems like this is such a common phenomenon, and and so people, and it's like you could hand them a book, and they'll browse it for thirty seconds, and then they put it down. Like I don't have time to read a book. You could direct them to a link to an article, and it's like I don't have time to look at that. I'll look at it later. And and but if you hand them a deck of playing cards, and on each card is some aspect of permaculture, um, then like a book, they'll browse the book for like thirty seconds and basically look at the pictures. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if a picture captures their eye, they'll look at the little writing underneath the picture. Mm-hmm. And so this is the the deck is a pure deck of nothing but pictures with little bits of of wording around them so it's like all pictures and bumper stickers that's all it is right right and and the idea is is that okay we've got 30 seconds and we don't know they might look at like four cards like just the pictures on four cards and and so on one of the cards they'll stop and read some of the stuff that goes with it and so we need to be able to um, buy more time. It needs to be so interesting and like, wow, I didn't know that. That is kind of interesting that that they'll move on to the next card and they'll actually give it more time. And so instead of giving it 20 seconds or 30 seconds, now they're going to give it a full minute. And then at the end of the minute, 
we want to, you know, have it be so easy for them. Yet, you know, and then and the reward, the wheat to chaff ratio is so good that they'll end up perusing the entire deck, which then prepares them to want to learn more. Or at the very least, they now have a better understanding of what is permaculture and why this person is so passionate about it. Because I think a lot of people feel like they're um, uh, considered to be crazy by their friends and family because of their passion for permaculture. And it's like, let's leverage that feeling that they're crazy into other people knowing more about permaculture because it is hard to explain. Yeah. And and I think the Playing Cards Project is just a, one example of many projects that you have come up with and your vision for infecting more brains and and getting these permaculture ideas out. So I think I think your listeners, they get how great these playing cards are and how exciting they are in in being able to share this knowledge in an approachable easy way that draws people in so uh, the i um, for so many of these different projects then i i try to find somebody else to take so like for example <laughs> permaculture voices is a great example yes so diego and i would had talked to each other about an earlier conference and it's like you know what a conference should be you know what would be good you know it'd be an excellent conference and diego listened to me and and he's like i am going to make that happen and so this is one of those very rare times where i ask somebody you know i make a suggestion and they listen to me yeah. and and it and it works out um uh well wait a minute i want to reword that <laughs> well, I, I think i think every time anybody has followed my suggestions it's worked out i mean that's what i was known for in the corporate horror world that's why i got paid so much money yeah. is because i would make suggestions and the people who followed my suggestions did extremely well right and and um i still to this day very much like that where people will follow um my suggestions and 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 do exceptionally well, even right. though I'm not getting paid for. I mean, I think a lot of people now they value my suggestion as exactly what they've paid for it, zero. Right, and the Permaculture Voices conference hasn't happened yet, but it's scheduled for next March in uh, 2014, and it's got the most amazing lineup of people. It just is high high quality speakers, high quality content. Um, amazing organization by Diego, a, a really usable, uh, great website for learning about what's happening and what the conference their, will be about. And their early bird thing ends this month, so at the end of August. Yeah. And so it's like if people want to buy a ticket, you got to – because it's like I think right now it's $695 for a ticket – and then after August 31st, it goes up to $960. So it's like now now is a good time to buy those tickets. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, that conference is going to be epic. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, all right, that, that's a great example. Because a lot of times it seems like I go and I give people this advice, like, you know, I think you should do this thing, and it'll be it'll be epic. And, and because they're saying, oh, I want to do things, and I want to be able to – and and so I I feel like I just hand them the magic, and then they don't they don't believe in what I have to say, and and uh, and and then it, it just 
I don't know. It never happens. Nothing ever happens. And there seem to be perpetually. And I, I, I don't want. Part of me kind of feels like, yes, everybody listening, just do what I tell you to do. <laughs> but I, it's, it's, that's not exactly it. Um, but, but yeah, um, I feel like a lot of the things that still exist in my world started off as that the, the Code Ranch forums. Um, I think I suggested to three different people. I remember suggesting to one person who had a, a, a mailing list that I really liked that you should take it to the forums format, and here's why, and here's what it can do. And and uh, and and she's like, um, I don't think I'm going to do that. And and but that I felt the need was so strong, I finally created the forums Did it myself. Yourself. Yeah. And then it 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 you know it, it became massive. A very similar thing with permies. I I mentioned this to somebody in the permaculture world about rather than a mailing list, you should do forums, and here's why. And um, they didn't they didn't do it. They didn't think it would work. They didn't believe the things that I was saying. And I ended up doing it. And and so now we know that the permies forums exist. Um, it it's so many the rocket mass heater DVDs, you know, which are now out and. Um, uh, and, you know, it, we had a Kickstarter for them, and it got $92,000. And, and it's kind of like I had approached somebody else to do them, and then I made suggestions, but they didn't follow my suggestions. And I said, you know, you, know, you should do a Kickstarter before the workshop actually happens. And um, I thought he was going to do it, and then later when it got to be the point where it's too late, you need to, you need to have the 30-day Kickstarter end before the workshop starts. And he was talking about, oh, there's risk, and there's, um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't like the risk, and, and, and so anyway, everything he said was perfectly true, and at the same time, it's like, I'm familiar with all those risks, and we already talked about those three weeks ago, and you know, and I told you why we're going to, you know, you would still want to, and anyway, it basically, he says, you know what? It turns out I'm not a risk-taking kind of guy. I'm, I'm, it's just not the way I roll. And, um, and then, so then I took it, I took the project. He handed it back to me, I guess you could say. And, um, uh, it's like, all right, I will make this happen. And, um, so now, now we've got the rocket mass heater DVDs. Um, uh, I, I kind of feel like, um, I'm taking on way too many projects. Oh, and you know what? Here's another thing too: is is the whole thing of like, I'm finding these people like like Bart. Bart contacted me and said, uh, I, and I had like five different videographers contact me, and they would say, I want to help you with this project. And then when I would talk to them more, it would be like, I want to help you with this project, and you're going to give me a thousand dollars a day to do it. Right. You know, and. And, and it's like, uh, you know, I mean, it comes back to the whole risk thing. And it's kind of like, I'm I'm not sure if it's going to make that much money. You know, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll shell out $30,000 to you, which, by the way, I don't have. Right. And then, um, no, yeah, you can't commit... With the Kickstarter type of thing, you can't commit to the money an X amount of dollars until you know you'll receive that amount. So that's kind of tough to invest a lot up front without knowing whether it'll even be funded. 
So, and yeah. There was just all of these things where it's like I have to guarantee to pay them. Yeah. And it's like I, I, I can't even wrap my head around like can I put together a business model where this will work? I mean, I, I kind of feel like a lot of the permaculture DVD projects out there, um, it's like they, I, I visit with some of these people and it's like, yeah, we sell one DVD a week. And I kind of feel like you're selling one DVD a week and you're getting, I mean, I, I know that there's all these expenses in it. So like maybe you're clearing 15 bucks per DVD. Right. $15 a week is like not a lot. Yeah. And, and, and so then it's like, but then I, I'm supposed to shell out $30,000 for a videographer, and um, I'm not even sure if they're any good. Like, maybe they're not even worth $100 a day. And the point is, Bart was willing to take a risk, and Bart has been professional and fantastic and responsive to work with. Right. Bart said, I have listened to all of your podcasts. Yeah. I want to do all of your videography work, and here's examples. Here's my portfolio, which is amazing. And let me be perfectly clear on this. I want to do it all for free because I just feel like what you're doing, um, you know, I want to be a jetpack on what you're doing. I want to help push all your projects forward in every way I can possibly help, and you don't need to give me a penny. Yeah, he wants to help change the world. Yeah. Yeah. And and so then um, – he, t- he he did. He did all this work, just mountains of work, and expected nothing in return. And um, but I I I I cut him in on everything. I gave him. I think I think that this is now his full time job. <laughs> you know, uh, because um, uh, the I mean the amount of money that we got from that was so big, and I gave him a, a, a big fat percentage of that. And so, um, and and anyway, and then there's even some deal afterwards that he still has, and it's like I I think this has worked out exceptionally well for him, and he's still doing all kinds of stuff for me and saying I will do it for free, and um, uh, it's it's been that wasn't a very good French accent. No, I, I can't. Yeah, he says he says this French accent. Hello, Paul. Yes, I will do it for free because I love what you do. Uh, now that didn't sound French either, did no, it? No, I, no. I don't know how to do accents. No, so, um, but that's kind of how he talks. And you talk to him on the phone. Right. Hello, Paul. <laughs> funny. And so uh, he's extremely passionate about what we're doing, and and so. Um, I, I think that's a big part of it is is that you just you just get involved in things and you work on things and then business deals pop out and well and you keep running into these different ideas and visions for things you'd like to do that get the word out more about permaculture you know we've got the playing cards the rocket mass heater DVDs permaculture voices conference there's been the forums. And then there's also been, as an offshoot of the rocket mass heater stuff, the shippable core um, that you've been working with a variety of people about getting a shippable core going. And I I know you've had a lot of listeners and and Permies people asking, okay, ooh. We've got somebody really good now. I mean, in the past, the problem has been is like um, you, you talk to somebody about doing the shippable core business. And um, and it and and now it sounds like we've gone through like six or seven different people, and um, I think a lot of them don't fully comprehend like the work that's involved, 
but you know they want to have the income stream without doing the work, which is a lovely thing to want. Everybody should want that. <laughs> I want to get income streams, but I don't want to do any of the work. Um, and uh, it's it's been amazing how there's been a lot of people that have had like really large expectations in that space. You know, I I and and it's like at the same time I know that Ernie and Eric and I were like really handing over a lot on a platter. Yeah. You know, and it's like really. Even if you just phone it in, we can still get that to work. And it's like still, it's like we couldn't, they wouldn't even phone it in. Yeah, and and, and it's interesting because I know for me, I thought, oh, yes, I'd love to do that. And then I just couldn't find the space in my world to make it happen. And I kind of wonder if that's what these people are doing too. Or they're deciding, ooh, what if I invest all excuse me, invest all this time and get no return and they don't like the idea of the risk of it, of even if it's just time and not money. Um, or I just wonder if they feel like they don't have the experience or the skills or the knowledge or, you know, it does take an entrepreneurial mindset True. to do a lot of this stuff. And I just wonder if there's not that many people that are wired that way or know how to think that way. Um, and so, I mean, this is a part of, of the way this ties into the project here is, is not only have you had all these projects that kind of tie into your empire stuff, that where you, they've been business models, you've been willing to hand people or help people get started just so it's not falling back on your plate and adding to your uh, mountain of things you want to be doing, but now that there's the project and the lab and base camp, um, the idea is that there could be layers of different businesses and projects here. And if people are kind of managing and helping get the infrastructure here, they could also start developing business models based on having land, having space. Um, and, and we're... There's not as many people out here as you thought there would be at this stage. I mean, we've only been here well, two months. I, but. I want to back up to where you just started okay. talking about bandwidth. Yes. So, like, you know, we can explore the spot, the spot where you didn't take on the Permaculture yeah. Playing Cards project yourself. Right. And, and I kind of feel like this is such an enormous part of what we're talking about here. And it's like, you know, well, why do you not have the bandwidth? And it, and it kind of seems like... This residual income stream space is a big part of like developing that bandwidth, right. and um, uh, it, it, it's kind of like when when you feel as it's like how did how did I ever get to the point where I had so many different residual income streams? And so it, you know it starts off with I wrote an article about lawn care because I just felt like whenever I tried to talk to anybody they would not listen to anything I had to say. And it's like I needed to write the article so I could say it in one chunk. And and when I wrote the article, um, it's like I might be able to put it into the hands of 40 or 50 people over the next 10 years. Um, and and I, I did post a version of it up on BBSs, which is the predecessor to Internet. And when the Internet came out, it was my very first web page. And then, it, then the next thing you know, it's starting to turn into residual income streams. Right. And um, uh, so there's a lot of similar things. I didn't do it to make money. I did it because 
you know, it was something else you I needed to, to do. do. It. It was you had like to. A, it's kind of like a permaculture <clears throat> thing. How do you convince people of permaculture? And and so it's kind of like um, I I feel like there's a lot to be said for looking at how you don't have any bandwidth. And it's kind of like, but then I know what you do with your time. And a lot of what you do with your time is things that are not things that make you happy or fulfill you or, you know, and, it, and it's kind of like, these are things I'm doing because I got a, I, I need the money. I got yeah. things to pay for. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, I just want, and you, and you know, you and I have had these conversations about a hundred times of like, I want, I want to take control of your life <laughs> and make you do things the way I tell right. you. Right. And then you'll, you're, you'll dramatically reduce your expenses while at the same time raising your income while doing more of the things that you enjoy doing, which you're, you've now taken some big steps in that direction. Right. And, and I, I, you know, and I think that you'll like a year from now, it'll, your life will be, um, uh, 10 or 20 times more delicious than it was, um, six months ago. Right. Um, so, uh, um, because it's a lot of long-term payoff kind of, kind of stuff. Right. And, and so we can start off the list. I mean, we spent a long time trying to brainstorm the list of different residual income streams and the, and the goal of talking about the residual income streams is if there are people, people that can maximize this, they can start spending more time on their passions, the things they want to do, or it might make it easier for them to uh, join the community out here at the project. If you have a bit of residual income that just makes life smoother and more independent. I mean, even if it's a small enough residual income that it pays for your cell phone bill. I mean, just think of how much more portable you are right there if you you know, have a communication tool and you you don't have to worry about coming up with funds for your cell phone bill. <laughs> I mean, that sounds ridiculously small, but it's, it's important. Um, and so I've been doing tons of accounting and, and I now am able to do a bulk licensing for online payroll and I can resell that and people can manage their own online payroll, but I get residual income from that. And it, you know, it's almost paying for my cell phone bill, but it's not it's not huge, but that's something I can develop more. Um, um, and so that's just an offshoot of what my day job has been. And I really, the exciting part of that to me is I love supporting what really are not just small businesses, but micro businesses. So it's a lot of people that are doing uh farm things or they're doing eco businesses or they're doing all these local economy things. So this is an offshoot that even if the accounting part of it is a little dull, I can support these really cool people. And and so that ties in for me and I'm trying to develop that residual income for me. So that's just one example, but we went through and Paul's... Um, we, we try to make a list of the things we could think of that yeah. were... I mean, if, most people kind of think... You know, I'm going to go and work long and hard at a job that I hate, and I'm going to save up my money, and then I'm going to invest it in things, and then I'll live off those investments. Right. And I kind of think like, and, and which is ex- kind of what early retirement extreme talks right. about. And and I kind of feel like, wow, that sounds depressing. And and I kind of feel like, whereas early retirement extreme lays out a plan that's like three years. In three years, you can be retired. I think I'm trying to lay out a plan over like six months. You know, let's let's look at early retirement extreme and 
and let's make it so that um, you can get to that point even faster. And um, well, yeah, and we we have this big, we have a list. So when Paul talked about his um, lawn care article, I mean, most people think, oh, okay, I put a website up and I have ads and I get money, and and it's not that simple exactly so usually there's more affiliate income can be more profitable than ads these days and that means if you have a link to a product or an Amazon link you can get a percentage or a kickback of that link to that product or an Amazon book or something like that that's affiliate income and there's a big part that Paul really understands of finding ways to drive traffic to your site well, and right. So we, there's all there's of a lot of different of things, things and, and, but the important thing is, is that if you do nothing at all, <laughs> then you get you don't get to have any residual income right. streams at all. Right. And um and it and and with the diatomaceous earth article, which is a great example, is that um and and you know what I, I think at Rich Soil I've got 19 different articles and um I think four or five of them actually have income streams associated with them. Yeah. Whereas the rest of them, it's like, okay, they've got like the AdSense banners and, and they pay maybe um, $50 a year. You know, they get like like yeah. five bucks a month or so comes in from those, yeah. you know, as, as people find them, and yeah. and which is fine. Yeah. And, and in fact, I remember my aunt's and aphids article, I wrote that in like two hours. And and I when I got done with it, I thought, ooh, I could sell this to Mother Earth News for like maybe three hundred bucks. And um, and then I kind of thought, well, wait a minute, this is you know, it was like two thousand or so, maybe two thousand two that I wrote it. And I thought, oh, I've you know, just with AdSense, if I just stuck it up here on AdSense and I got some pissant amount of traffic, I, I could probably get like. Five dollars a month in in residual income from this, right. and then once you do the math, it's kind of like, well, wait a minute, I can get a lot more money just posting it on my own website than writing for you know Mother Earth News, right? And um and and then on top of that, I have the ability to continuously polish it, right? You know, and um, yeah, since I've known you, I think that's where some of your graphics experience has come in. You've worked with um, different graphic artists to add in more visuals, more images, and and fun stuff with all of your articles, and you've been polishing them that way in the five years I've known you. It, it seems like, you know, one or two of those articles per year gets gets um, a pretty significant overhaul and, yeah. and polish. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, and, and then a lot of times I end up paying the artists um, uh, who, who contribute yeah. to these, and... Um, but then usually I pay them because they contacted me and they said, look, I looked at your article and I thought it needed something. So I just, you know, made a bunch of this. And and then I say, well, can you change it a little bit? And yes, yes, yes. And then I say, you know, I could really use some help with this other article over here. I'll even pay you. You know, right. and so it's a lot right. of it kind of goes down that path. Right. Um, and then they eventually get sick of me and I never hear from them again. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's that's something we've been um talking about a lot in in this the pre-conversation we had before this podcast is not only the list of residual income streams which we need to come back to more of these things on the list but just working with different people and finding good people to work with and and I think now your empire has grown enough that you're finally getting some good people in place but 
more good people are still needed. And if more people had the flexibility from their residual income streams, they could, you know, help you out in other ways. Like now Bart may be able to do more of the things that he really has fun doing now that he's getting some income from the Kickstarter he did for you right. and, and future projects even. So, but, but residual income streams, we talk about articles, affiliate income, um, DVDs. So, of course, yeah, like the DVDs that, that I, the, the Rocket Masculine DVDs that I have, then, you know, and Ernie and Erica have, and, um, and you know, we, we've all, we've, it, we've entered into an agreement where, you know, hey, everybody goes out and tries and sells them as much as they can, and, you know, yeah. they get to keep whatever they can come up with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, so yeah, so now now I have DVDs as a residual income stream, and you know I've learned a lot about that. That's kind of a an interesting space, right? Um, is right. It this day and age, right? Uh, and and the other that you know quite well. Well, and and YouTube videos. So I've got what is it like 160 YouTube videos that are up right now, and um, YouTube has a way of being able to monetize that. It's not. It's not huge income, you know, for a hundred and I mean, I get a lot of views and I've got a pretty popular channel and the income that comes from that is not enough that you could live on. I mean, unless maybe you're living somewhere, you know, well, if in fact, I think somebody who lived here on this property could live on this, <laughs> um, you know, growing their own right. food and things like right. that. They could totally live on the amount of money that I currently earn. And, and I was trying to get somebody to come out here and like do a vlog Right. I, I thought they could probably make pretty decent money with a vlog out here, right? Um, with all the projects that we're doing and stuff, right? But, um, but that, that didn't work out. Not yet. Not yet. I, I imagine it might still. But uh, a lot of people are doing more Kindle books. We've got a thread out at permies.com about residual income streams, and there was a gal there who said that she makes her living entirely from Kindle books and photos on like these clip art. Right, or, or the know, stock photo stock sites. photo sites, yeah. yeah. And um, so she's got like twelve Kindle books that she's written, and and you know they, awesome. they she yeah she's got she's got cash flow. I I bought one of her Kindle books. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, I I think that uh, uh, and of course, I think that the important thing that to qualify a residual income stream as opposed to like a business. Um, a, a business is going to be something where I'm going to manufacture a widget and I'm going to sell it. And then I got my money and then now the transaction's complete. I got no more money coming in from that right. until I sell the next widget. Right. Whereas a residual income stream is something where I create something and I set it up in such a way that a very tiny amount of money comes in, you know, month after month after month and I don't do any further work. My right. My bank account gets bigger. And I don't do anything. And unless there's printing costs involved, you know, you typically, especially if it's electronic or Internet or, or, you know, there's not typically product costs. If you're selling a widget, you have manufacturing or production costs. Or if you're selling garden produce, I mean, that's all production-based. This is more intellectual or electronic or... Um, and, and, you know, when it, well, right. And, but yeah. at the same time, there's fulfillment organizations out there where you can set something up like the dvds are currently set up through an organization where it's like i've given them um basically the four dvd set right and then now every every time somebody says i want the four dvd set they burn a copy print all the dvds print the stuff for the box package it all up and ship it out and i didn't have to do anything right 
Um, and when it comes to a lot of the stuff, I'm trying to set it up so that other people can have their own residual income streams. So like, like all my podcasts are set up. And this has turned out to be not a big residual income for me. Right. But on the other hand, I set all the podcast gobs up out at Scubly so that people could um, say, go and get Paul's first 40 podcasts. They're not available anywhere else except at Scubly. And we're hoping to change it so the first 200 are all like that. But um, you get a 40% um, affiliate. So it's like, granted, it's only like $4.50. So you get something like a buck and a half, two bucks. I don't know what 40, 40. Oh, that people could put on their websites for your Scubbly link. Yeah. 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 And and so then um, uh, th- then basically it's like if you if you make this link to Scubbly and then like five or six people a month do it, it adds up to like, I would guess, like 10 bucks. Uh, a month, and and then that's 120 bucks a year. That's 600 dollars every five years. So it's kind of like um, that's one income stream. Right. And then if if you can go and and so basically, like if it takes you half an hour to put that page together, you're getting paid 1,200 dollars an hour. All you got to do is is put together, you know, try to put together, um, you know, a, a page a day, and I mean, then your residual income streams will add up to something rather significant. Well, and Scubbly is where Ernie and Erica have their plans, right? Yeah. So, so that's residual income they've developed is they, they have rocket mass heater plans and other types of plans that they sell. And that money keeps coming in month after yeah. month, and they don't have to do anything else. Yeah. And uh, and they're you know and I'm I can tell you that they're doing really well. <laughs> they're they're uh, they're selling a lot of plans. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, and at the same time, they've got uh, I believe like a twenty percent affiliate program because now I know that's one of my income streams is that I link to Ernie and Erica's plans and so every time they sell plans I get a couple of bucks and then you know of course Ernie and Erica get a lot more Um, and and uh, the important thing is is that um, uh, other people can do this too you know and and it's not like if you do nothing at all you get nothing Right. And, but then the other thing is, is that eventually you can get to this point where it's like you've got eight hundred dollars a month coming in like clockwork, and um, and and you 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 don't have any more debt, and it's like you can live anywhere, and as long as you can keep your expenses under eight hundred dollars a month, and there are scenarios out there where it's like, yeah, you can you can easily set something up so you're living at. I mean, look at early retirement extreme guy, he's five hundred dollars a month. And so then you've got um, – you're meeting all your expenses. You, you don't have to do anything. But you did it so much faster than having to go and save up, um, you know, $500,000 or something like that, which is what he – I'm not sure how much money he advocates, but I just kind of feel either. like all the investment stuff is always so risky, and I don't understand it. So, right. Um, right. Yeah, and, and people keep talking about how the investment stuff is going to go away or blow up and – even our currency is going to go away, and and you and I typically don't like to touch any of that. I and I'm not a finance person, um, despite my accounting background. Um, but I do kind of like the idea of micro loans or the slow money idea of investing in your little local people that you want to support and and making um, that kind of thing. I like, but um, and and so. You know, but some people are very good at the investment and consider that a residual income. So it's worth noting just in the entire list. And I think 
um, yeah, the other thing is a little bit of time toward your hobby or your passion and goes a long way. I mean, I think a lot of people think, oh, that person was born a photographer or that person was born a graphic artist or Paul was born a permaculture person. That's what Joel Salton calls the unfair advantage. Oh, I can't do this because all these other people have an unfair advantage. Right. And then Joel Salton's position is, is like, you need to go out and make your own unfair yes. advantage. Yes. And But I, what, what I'm saying is, is you don't even have to do that. You just have to do anything. Just do Anything at all. Just do things. Right. And I just mean, start doing it. Just whatever cooks your chicken, even if you get paid nothing. And it's like the whole my whole lawn care article started off. I was never going to get paid anything at all. Right. And and yet, as the years passed, it evolved into this residual income stream. I, I think a great story is Jonathan Colton's story. This is this is this guy. He was working as a geek and. Um, he just hated his job, and maybe I'm maybe I'm fucking this all up. But but my understanding is he hated his job, mm-hmm. and yet he loved 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 his music. Like when he got home, he just couldn't stop playing music. That was all he ever wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so um, somebody said, "Why don't you treat your music like you treat your job?" And and so I mean, at work you got all these schedules and you got to crank stuff out every week. You got to have something that you've accomplished every week mm-hmm. and so it's like um all right let's let's do that let's you know with your music you have to make up a song record it and put it out on the internet every week every week you have to have a new song so on monday you gotta start you know well and and, and whatever the whatever the um the thought process was so he started to do this and it's like you know what a lot of a lot of the songs will totally suck. Yeah. But uh, you know, you're going to eventually have one that's going to really groove with people. Yeah. And so he made that great song Code Monkey. I just really enjoy Code Monkey. And he's made a bunch of other really fun songs too. Uh-huh. And they're and they're they're fun. They're fun songs. Yeah. And um and so now he you know, he quit his job um and that's all he does now is music and I'm sure at this point he's got so much residual income. He doesn't need to ever work again unless he really wants to. And there's a lot to be said, too, for when you're in a position of, like, um, what are you going to do? And it's what you want to do versus what you have to do. And the point being that you start doing it. You do it, you do it, you do it. You start building the skill. You start building the experience. You start building the expertise. And that doesn't just get gifted to you as an unfair advantage, as, as Joel Salatin was saying. You you develop that, and you develop that by doing. I mean, you just start and just start doing, and it's going to suck, and a lot of it will be bad, and and you gradually, usually most people get better. <laughs> this is like what Joel Salatin says, is that anything worth doing well is worth doing poorly first. Right, right. And so go out, do it poorly. Right. and And... It's, it kind of comes back to those websites. People make web pages, and it's like, oh, I can't make my web page public yet because it's not good enough yet. I need to keep doing more and more and more. And it's like, you know what? No, put out a, a crappy page is so much better than no web page. Right. And and we were we were talking about this in general, and and some of this we were talking about um, um, about how you're a little different than a lot of people. I mean, I think a lot of people they have 
their day jobs and they're so miserable with them um, that they just want to escape when they get home. They turn on the boob tube or they go out drinking or they go out camping or, or whatever people do for their downtime, for their recreation, that they don't really make it into a hobby like music or like woodworking or like graphic arts or photography or writing. They don't, a lot of people, they work their work week and they just want to escape. And, and and so their downtime is, um, you know, I want to say wasted, and that might may might not be very fair, and that's definitely a judgment. But I but you're a little different. That even in your downtime, your downtime is, I mean, you don't have a lot of downtime because you are so passionate about this stuff, and it's so much fun to you to keep learning about permaculture, keep figuring out ways to create all these different business models or these opportunities, keep expanding the empires you manage. You know, all of this is so exciting to you that that's what you want to do seven days a week, 16 hours a day. So, and that's kind of unusual. And so you don't take vacations much. You don't like to go to parties. That just seems like such a waste. So we're, uh, apparently I, I've learned that we're having a party here <laughs> between the, because we have the Rocket Mass Heater workshops that are coming up right. here, and we're going to be doing the Farmstead Meatsmith workshops here. Right. And apparently, uh, so we're going to have two days of Rocket Mass Heater, four days of Farmstead Meatsmith, and then two more days of Rocket Mass Heater. And then like on the Thursday between all of that, we're having a party here of some kind, and I'm kind of yeah. thinking like, I'll be up at the house. You guys have your party. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah. but you know, um, this kind of reminds me of a of a conversation we had that I had. I was um, at this event where I was a presenter, and um, we were talking about the Permaculture Voices Conference. And I know this is going to be an extremely controversial thing, which I probably should never utter. But a woman said that she's not sure about the Permaculture Voices Conference because when she looks at the lineup, she sees a bunch of guys and only one woman. And that she feels that that's, like, not cool. And my response was, name the women that should be up there. Name the women that are, you know, right up there with Michael Pollan and Jeff Lawton and Alan Savory. You know, so where where are the women equivalents of that? And then she was kind of starting to say something about, like, well, you know, this is this is unfair to women. And I said, well, you know what? You are a woman. Why don't you do this. And there was another woman there that was supporting her. And I said, okay, both of you, women, why don't you put in what it takes to like change the world as much as these individuals have? And um, so, you know, kind of went around and around a little bit. And it kind of came down to each of them said, that's a lot of time those people put in. And um, you know what? I have a life. I like to read. Um, I like to enjoy a good movie. And these people put in so much time that they don't do that. And I said, well, I guess that you might not be the only women who feel that way. But the one woman that is going to be speaking at the Permaculture Voices Conference as a keynote speaker, I mean, I think there's going to be lots of women that are speaking there, but as just the keynote lineup, then, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe she, like, is, is like these other people. They, they work 100 hours a week on these topics, really changing things in this big of a way. And yeah, it is time consuming. 
it is it is a lot of work and um and really that's what it is is day after day of really boring work and um and most people look at it and it's like that looks really boring it is really boring and it's like but if i don't do it who's going to do it and it needs it needs doing and so um i am wired in a really weird way most people want to go to bars and most people want to go and uh, they they do the jet ski thing. I've right. I've never All been on a jet ski, or they yeah. go skiing. You know, yeah. oh, we're gonna go skiing. I go, they'll go skiing like seven or eight times every winter. Well, we've talked. We I think we've talked about this in a podcast before. You don't even like to take walks <laughs> because it seems like such a waste of time to you. <laughs> you know, why I, why take a walk? <laughs> I I really feel like there are a hundred and eighty projects that need to be done and nobody's doing them, and it, I kind of feel like. If they aren't going to do them, I need to get them done because they need to be done. And um, uh, it's it's like the idea of going for a walk and postponing all this stuff just seems nuts to me. And and I I really do think lives are at stake here. Yeah. You know, uh, if if I can get this stuff done, fewer people will die. Well, so well, what are what are the average hours people spend watching TV or surfing the internet? And and maybe they're surfing the internet for intellectual things or research or educational things. But I think a lot of people surf the internet just for fun. There's a lot sh- of naked people on the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or for shopping or whatever. You know, there's a lot of hours people spend actually, sh- you know, shopping in malls or even with their sports or with their social activities or um, surfing the internet, TV. I mean, just imagine if you took a fraction of that time, a lot of people in, in your life, and you turned it toward growing food, toward a hobby, toward an art, toward, um, you know, getting information out about a better world, you know, blogging about cool things or whatever and developing your residual income or doing I'm or developing a skill or a talent. It's it's um it's amazing what could happen because we say, Oh, I don't have time. That's the thing that drives me crazy when people say and I'm guilty of it, I have to admit, I don't have time or I don't have money. Um and really it's a choice. I'm I'm choosing not to spend the time on that or I'm choosing not to make that a financial priority. I mean, you have to, yeah, you, you have to prioritize all the things mm-hmm. that you could be doing. And for a lot of people, going to sporting events is a higher priority than, yeah. you know, understanding what the, what's the difference between organic and conventional. Right. And, um, and and that's fair. I think that's totally fair. Yeah. And I, I also think there's a lot to be said for people who want to sit out in the sun and um, watch the birds, you know, um, or watch nature or whatever. That is all great. And then the thing that bothers me is, is that if they choose to pursue uh, a lot of recreation, I, I think that they lose the license to complain about how there's not enough women on, you know, the, the Permaculture Voices Conference. Or And we've had the same complaint about in the, in the um, permaculture playing cards. There's not enough women, and it's like, well, you know, and we're going to, you know, we, we're talking about right now a stretch goal or, of introducing more queens uh, in the deck. Right, right, which that, that'll that be fun to explore. I, I think I think in general it's if, if people are spending a t- choosing to spend their time sunbathing or stargazing or whatever, um, and yet they're saying, oh, there's not enough free stuff 
for permaculture or um, there's not enough food to go around for people or, you know, oh, my life is so hard. There's not enough job opportunities or whatever. You know, well. My yeah. job sucks. Yeah. And I kind of feel like this is what we're trying to address. My job sucks. Right. Or, right. or they don't, they feel trapped. And right. And I kind of feel like, oh, yeah, we've got it. I, I think what we're talking about here is a way out. Right. And it, it won't even take that long. Right. But, you know, it's like, but if you want to, if you want to remain trapped, you can, you can remain trapped. I mean, they're, they're, a lot of people call it being a wage slave, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. Um, it's not. I don't think it's absolutely true, which is why you can get out. You can right. do things to get out. Well, and it, and it does, for whatever reason, it does take a lot of people um, uh, a lot of time to figure out. There's a lot of adults that don't know what they really like to do because they've been so stuck in school systems or work systems where, oh, you just have to get by, get you know, so we, I think a lot of what this podcast has come out of is Paul's frustration of trying to work with people to say, here, take ownership of this and you can have money or take ownership of this and we can work together. And, and there's, um, a lot of falling short in those places. Um, and so this podcast is coming out of, well, if people have residual income, they might have the bandwidth to do more of these kind of projects, or they may not be as worried about the risk, or if they have these different things that they develop in their life, they may have more of the creativity or the skill set to do these different things. And and there's just so, you know, so I'm trying to kind of wrap around to a bunch of the other notes that we made here about different business relationships. You know, some people grease the wheels and really keep things rolling. Other people are just difficult to work with. It's more like having grit in your wheels. And 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 so a lot of this is just dancing around all of these issues and trying to troubleshoot, okay, how can people come out here to the project and start launching their own businesses and be a part of greasing the wheels here? Uh, part of it's having residual income, part of it's li- living humbly or living early retirement extreme, part of it's having just kind of more of a proactive mindset or an entrepreneurial mindset, you know, so there's just so many different little pieces and factors. I think I think there's going to be a lot of people that come out and they're not entrepreneurs. They are... Um, it's like, tell me what to do, and I'm going to go and do it. And then after they've done it a whole bunch, I think that they will unwittingly evolve into entrepreneurs. Yeah. Or it's like maybe they'll just find a groove where they're totally comfortable. They've got some money in the bank, and um, and it's like they just like participating in whatever people are doing that day. Right. And um, and so it's like, well, we could probably do that too. Um, but, I, you know, all right, so we've got <laughs> – I want to, a lot of this podcast was designed about like a lot of frustration about some things. um, And, and so I know it seems like I've spent in in just the last few months, it's like we needed to come up with more money for more projects. And it's like, okay, I will work harder. And so I've been focusing more of my energy on cash flow. And, um, and so I'll talk to people and try and arrange a business deal. And so one business deal that, that was like not exactly a deal I showed up at a workshop. A guy had been paid to like uh, video it, <clears throat> and so I'm there to teach the workshop. 
and um and it's like oh, I'm here to video. I'm gonna hook a microphone up to you, and it's like okay, great. And so he told me he's gonna try and make a DVD, and I said oh, I hope you get rich. You have my permission to to not you know to do this without having to pay me anything. I'll even help support you. And um, time passed, and it became clear that he wasn't gonna do it. He wasn't you know doing the things that he had agreed to do. And um, yet the guys that um, had hired him um, still wanted their materials to get done. Right. And and it's kind of like, uh, you know, and they're like, what do we do? What do we do? And and so then I said, well, I I could, like, take the footage and, um, you know, work it with Bart, and then we could try to do another Kickstarter with it. And, and we're, you know, we're currently talking about doing that. And it's, and it's kind of like, um, you know, well, that that's a thing. Then you'll have it out there. You know, and and it's like, okay, great, do that. And then the guy that took the footage decided that his time was worth, I think it was like something like ten times more. Me and Bart, like he wanted half of all the gross proceeds. And um, and it's like, okay, you worked for four days. I was there working for the exact four days, and I was going to give it to you for nothing. And and then it's like, okay, to get this done is going to take about. 40 days of my time and about 50 to 55 days of Bart's time. And, and, and yet you think four days, 55 days and 45 days that, you know, you should get half. But those of us that are putting in the 45 and the 55 that, that we get the other half and we get to pay for an actual production of everything. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's like really, um, Oh, it's and, and and it's like I think a lot of people don't understand. So really, what it, what it boils down to is is that it's like you just gotta. <laughs> um, I and it's all risky. How many DVDs are we gonna sell? Seven, right. or or right. seven hundred? Right. We we don't know. It's right. risk, 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 risk. Um. Anyway, it's it's been extremely painful to talk to people, and and the thing that really made me angry about it. Is that he kept saying permaculture? It's about fair share, uh. and for him, fair. This is fair share where he gets half, but he does. And it, it seems like this ongoing theme. Right. The people that I run into, they're like, "I will work for free. I will give you 200 hours of my life, and I expect nothing in return." Those are the people that turn out to be really awesome, and we get stuff done. And then I encounter the people where it's like, "I expect to be paid a thousand dollars an hour." For, for and I, but at the same time, I want to phone in the work. <laughs> well, and it's not even. I, I don't think it's even so much that. It's that some people they actually respond when you call them or show up when the meeting time is is supposed to happen, or they actually reply to an email, and and they act more professionally and responsibly. And I think where you're at the huge crux right now is is. This project is new. There's all of this new equipment, some of it new, a lot of it used, and there's equipment repairs. I mean, things keep breaking down, which happens on farms, equipment breaks. But there's been, seems like it to me, because farm stuff is new to me, seems like an inordinate, inordinate amount of breakdowns and repairs, and that's expensive. Expensive, and we're behind on all the projects. And and if we just had more money and more people, we could maybe get some people, 
get the Wafati done before winter. <laughs> get one. Get, get one, one done one. before winter. And there's there's some approaching very real deadlines with this stuff, and we don't have enough people or enough money. And so all of these business relationships and residual income stuff and all of this ties into more people, more help, and more money, actually, so that we can keep um, keep the electric vehicles working so we can keep the log skitter working so we can keep the darn sawmill working and uh finish the pooper and all of these things it, it all ties back to the project and 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 so when paul's running into people who are making ridiculous you know demands in a business relationship it's just one more hurdle and one more frustration and um and it, if we just had people that, you know, wanted, were excited to have business relationships and were reasonable and rational about them and wanted maybe, you know, a percent model or well, and, these different or, or want to start their own business with it and take ownership and, and run with it, that, that would just be more like the grease in the wheels we need. We're just stuck. Yeah. We keep hitting, hitting. Uh, so you push the button, uh, and and that is the whole. I, I keep hearing people that want to talk about they want to they want to develop a relationship where it's like, and then I'll get fifty percent, and then you guys can have this other percentage, and then by the way, don't forget that every month we have to have all this accounting go on, and we got to have like eighty-seven different ways to be able to check to make sure nobody's screwing anybody else, and it's kind of like, oh, I hate those kinds of deals. And it's and and it's like I like I like a business deal where it's like okay we enter into this arrangement we do what we all say we're going to do and then we have a product at the end we divvy up whatever and then we are all set up so we can have we can all have residual income streams right. and then whoever goes out and, and and so then if a person says you know what I'm happy with the thing way things are right now I'm going to pursue something else or whatever and I'm going to let it go they can that's totally fine. You, you you have no further obligations whatsoever, and if you put in zero amount of work, you get zero residual income. Not a problem. And then other people are going to be out, and they're going to work a hundred hours above and beyond the deal, and they're going to you know get a whole bunch of residual income. And then um uh, and then maybe somebody else will go and they'll work four hours, and then they'll get a residual income that's that's you know respective of that. And so it's like I, I love these deals where it's like there's no further accounting that has to happen after that. Everybody can go their own way. And it's like, wow, you know what was awesome is being in that business relationship with Steve. And it's like, I you know what? I've got, I've, I've got a new idea. I'm going to call up Steve and see if we can do another business deal like we did before. Let's, you know, hey, Steve, um, that last time we did a thing together, that worked out so well. I want to do a thing with you again. Right. Well, and that's what you've been um, striving to make sure everybody else feels like is, oh, I did this deal with Paul, and look, now I'm set up with residual income. Right. Cool. And 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 now I can quit my day job because now I can do all of this stuff. This is awesome. So. So and and that was something like with earning Erica. They were set up with a company called Payloads, which sucks. And and it's like, um, so I set up an affiliate program with them so that every time I sold one of their plans, then I would get something back. 
But what happened was is that payloads, instead of having payloads send me whatever it is that I got for my stuff, payloads would simply um, uh, report to Ernie and Erica that, okay, now you owe Paul money. You owe Paul $300. And, and so instead of Ernie and Erica thinking, man, having this business relationship with Paul is awesome, then every month they think, oh, shit, we've got to give Paul money. I'm a, I become a bill, yeah. you know, and yeah. I don't want that. I don't want right. to be somebody's bill. Right. So now we're set up on Scubbly, which is so much better because at Scubbly, then um, Scubbly sends it. And Ernie and Erica just keep getting money month after month after month, and they don't ever have to think about paying me anything. Right. And and then whatever it is that they set up, Scubbly takes care of all that paperwork, and Scubbly sends me what nice. what is coming to me. Nice. So um, I really like the idea of being in business relationships with people where there are no obligations. Everybody can just walk away anytime they want, and that's fine. Right. And um, – and uh, um, everything is set up in such a way that uh, uh, the, the money the, the money happens without being a bill or an obligation or somebody's got to do some math. Somebody's got to go add up all of this column and then make sure that everybody gets to see the reports and then um, and then all the proof proof of sales you know and now you can have your um, whatever it is your your commissions or your uh, royalties for your work or whatever. Oh, those that royalty stuff. I just think uh, um, it, it just sounds like because uh, then, then there's a the thing where it's like, okay, if I'm going to get into business with these guys and um, they're going to pay me quarterly, um, how do I know that they uh, got in? Like, like they sold four thousand units, but they're telling me they sold only four. And um, and I'm in the business. I've got I've got some of these things set up, and I got to tell you what. Well, here's what I do. I stop promoting them. And and it's like, uh, um, man, I've been into. There's just so many shysters out there where I think I am dead certain that's what's going on. I, it's like I'm moving four thousand units uh, a month, and then they're saying, "Oh no, you only did four, you know." And it's like, yeah. oh, it turns out that I'm only earning fifteen dollars a month, and um, but I'm giving you like uh, um, four, five thousand dollars worth of inventory. So this is not working out. Deal over. Deal done. I'm all done. Yeah. So. Well, I, this has been, I think, very, very in-depth about a lot of the business ideas you have, a lot of your vision for layers of businesses, um, both online with uh, your Permis Empire and also with kind of a, a vision, a little bit of a peek into how things could work here at the project too with different people. I mean, we didn't even talk about, well, gosh, if someone's growing beef for sale and then there's another person here who loves to process the hides and sell moccasins or whatever, you know, those two could work out layers of business arrangements here. So we didn't even get to those kind of things. We've talked more about intellectual property than actual physical property. And I think we're about at the and well, I, we've got a list of things. So one of the things that's at the top of the list is is vision. Yes. And it's like, for me, so many of these things, I have a crystal clear idea of what to do and where to go. And um, I I feel like I I give these to people all the time, and it's like maybe you can you know, and, and it doesn't go anywhere. But I I can't help but think that I'm the 
I, I cannot be the only person that has these kinds of vision ideas. And it does seem to me like it, it's something where somebody somewhere has a vision and then they make something become a reality. And and a lot of times, um, you know, the the vision that they come up with and they put out turns out to be kind of weak. But then it's like that's that's version one. Right. And, and then they come up with a better one and then a better one and then a better, you, you know. So vision a lot of times is evolutionary rather than revolutionary. Right. And and so I, I think, you know, just by doing something, do, you know, and it kind of comes back to the do what you love and the money will follow. Mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of this message is. But just be aware of residual income streams. And then it's like eventually sometimes you'll see like, oh, if I put in another 20 minutes worth of work, this could be a residual income stream. Not a whole lot. It might bring in only. And the, the weird thing is all those things that are like $5 a month. It's bizarre how they all start to pile up and add up. And, and then they become something rather significant. Um, next note I've got down here. Um, with the cards. I mean, the cards um, uh, Kickstarter um, on the second. It was like just hours into the second day. It was fully funded. Right. And and now and then suddenly it's like, wow, it says it's going to go to two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. And so we're like, well, I, I guess we should make a, um, a goal, uh, like a stretch goal at two hundred and fifty. If we get two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, we'll do this thing. And um, uh, I've just been overwhelmed with all kinds of other projects. And I and, and now it's like the, the, the income. I mean, we're now double. I think we're now at double the um of what we were seeking the goal yeah, yeah double the goal yeah um and there's still like 24 days left or something in the kickstarter um but uh we're exploring a stretch goal of like uh um if if we hit a certain amount of money everybody who um uh signed up for a brick which is 12 decks of cards will get a double brick they'll get 24 um but, but I you have to check the production costs and yeah, things like that. You still know. waiting yeah, yeah. on that. And it's like, boy, professionalism would be so fucking awesome right about now. Yeah. It's been five fucking days, and we still don't have a fucking answer to a fucking simple question, which should have taken no longer than 20 minutes to get an answer to. Oh, and, and every place you turn around has been like that. So recently, it's just been and, and you know what in the permaculture world, crazy. there are a lot of people where it's like, oh yeah, I should get an answer to that question. Yeah, maybe tomorrow. And and it's like uh, it, it'll go on for weeks, months, and years, and you won't get an answer. And it's like you know what'd be great in the permaculture world? Some professionalism, returning phone calls, returning emails. Having answers, moving forward, having some idea of what the word professionalism even means, and um, I, I, but I, I seem to get just inundated with people that are like, "Oh yeah, I want to get into a business deal with you," and here's what I want to have happen: I want you to give me like fifty thousand dollars. And then I'll say I'm going to do things, but I never will, okay? This is the kind of business I want to be in, and you can make it happen for me. And it's like those, I I just hear mountains of people like that, where it's like they want me to do all the work, and they give me nothing. And um, uh, wow, I I would say that this is 98% of the business opportunities I'm presented with is I do all the work, they take all the money. 
Well, and that's what I was going to say. It's kind of, it's kind of like out of 10 people you've tried to work with, one or two works out. Yeah. And 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 now that you're and I think I mentioned this earlier in this podcast that now that your empire has grown, you're starting to get some good people in place to help with key things, but it's still only two out of 10 people you deal with are really moving things forward. The other eight out of 10 are just kind of holding things up. And then, and, and we don't have people living out here full time yet, like we thought we would um, just right initially on the project. So that has slowed things down here on the project. So I really thought we had covered everything on the list. Oh, no, I'm still working on this item here. Okay. Item number two on the entire (sighs) list. Darn, I thought we already talked about that. I want somebody that will take the cards into shops and distributors. And so I just kind of feel like this is is something that's just legwork. And I feel like somebody could make a lot of money with this. I mean, I'm already getting slammed with demands from people that want to like they have a shop and it's like, oh, I'll, I'll take uh, 20 bricks, you know, and uh, and it's kind of like, uh, so here's here's all it is. You go into different shops um, that where cards might want to exist or mar- cards could exist and try and talk to the people and say, I want to find out who your distributors are. Who do you buy from? And then let's contact those distributors and see if we can convince them to carry the cards. Yeah. And um, and I think that, you know, it's just a matter of having like 100 phone calls and 20 of them are going to work out. And then um, there you go. Now, now the, the cards and, and I think it'd be great for somebody to set up um, fulfillment. And and it's like um, uh, that would that would be wonderful. I think there's a there's a big business there. It's something you can all you need is the Internet and a phone. Yeah. And um, you don't need to actually store cards at your house or anything. Right. And and you're right. We did skip over that item. Yep. So um, that's yeah. That's another of the business models we talked about. We talked about some of the business models that have worked, some that haven't worked so well. Um, oh, here's one. Here's one um, next on the list is that uh, there's there's somebody where I was trying to work out a deal with them. And um, it was a, it was a similar sort of a thing to the one I was alluding to before, that, where, where it's I like pushed your button by talking about business deals. Well, and and it's it's kind of like, um, all right, tell you what I'll do. We'll get we'll we'll put on a workshop. We'll have Bart come down here, um, and and then we'll um, we'll make a DVD out of it. And and then they're like, oh, okay. Then I want half. And it's like, ah. Uh, you know, and, and it's like, okay, you know, tell you what, we're all going to put risk in it to see if the Kickstarter even works. And so you'll put in four days, and I'll put in 45, and Bart will put in 55. And and so, you know, here's the deal. I'm willing to work with you, and, and, I'll, and, and basically I'll give you a, a stack of 100 DVDs and unlimited license to make as many as you want and sell them as much as you can. No, I want more. And and it's kind of like okay, tell you what, you do the Kickstarter, you bring in your own guy, and and you do you do all of everything. And if you just give me one DVD so I can watch it myself, that would be nice. And I'll help you in every other way. No, I don't want that either. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's kind of ah, like yeah. you know, it, it, it's like I I kind of feel like I'm being freakishly generous. Like you know, okay. Um, I'll see to it that it all gets done, and we'll do the Kickstarter and everything, and I'll give you an unlimited license. You can go out and sell thousands of these, and you know, 
make as much money as you want. Because I, I really feel like a lot of people who put out DVDs and books and stuff like that, sure, maybe it'll be J.K. Rowling and you'll make a million dollars. But what's most often the case is that a lot of these authors um, will put out a book and um, uh, they'll put $5,000 into publicity and that'll sell $5,000 of the books. And then if they put zero into publicity, then they get um, they get zero. Like they might sell six books, right? You know, and and it's like there's you know a lot of the work for these people with residual income streams comes from you know connecting and networking and setting stuff up. Which is why I get like five emails a day of saying, "Hey Paul, I don't ever use your websites and I don't really like you, but I need you right now." To promote the fuck out of my shit so I can make money. Yeah. And it's like five a day. I, I get these things. Um, you know, I, I hate you. I will never do anything for you. But I demand that you do this thing for me. I don't listen to your podcast. I don't look at your videos. I don't do anything. And but do I know in the that name you're... of the third ethic. Oh, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Don't go there. <laughs> <sighs> right, right. I, I think a lot of people... I think what what you've been brilliant at with your empire is developing a huge publicity engine and developing SEO. And the, it's amazing to me how many business people don't understand SEO. They don't understand driving traffic to the site. They don't understand how to, you know. Which is fine. Yeah. I mean, there's other ways to, to do all these things. But, yeah. you know, these these are some of the ways that you can go about doing mm-hmm. it. And it's mm-hmm. like, I, I really think the thing is, is to go out and do anything, do something. And and then and then maybe you'll learn some of these things along the way. Maybe you'll stumble into them accidental-like, you know. And, and then on top of that, I think the big part of it is, is, is it's like for those people that contact me, the five people a day, and for everybody listening to this podcast, for anybody that does anything, help me help you first and and so it's kind of like um if you post out at permies i can do things with that i can leverage that you can put your website in your signature and just and every post you make will have a link to your website which helps your seo it helps you come up higher in the google searches or search engine searches Really, yeah, so much of it. I mean, this is like the... Just that. Just getting your website in your signature out of Permis helps your website. The most powerful tool for me to help you is for you to just simply post stuff, post good things at Permis. And and it's like, it is amazing how a few good posts will do far, far more for whatever your project is and for those of you that have already posted a whole bunch out at Permies, you know, whatever your little business is or your blog or whatever it is, make a signature. And it's a and, and I think you'll find that you'll get a lot of traffic from Permies just for that. Yeah. And yeah. it's like this is this is the, the but I get all these emails and it's like they can't even write one post at Permies. They can't be bothered to write one. They just need me to advertise for them. You know, and, and it's like, you know what, for all the people who ask for that, I don't have enough resources to advertise for everybody, especially if you can't even be bothered to advertise for yourself. And, I, and that's kind of my position. If, if you can't market yourself, fuck off and leave me alone. You can't. You want me to be your advertising bitch? Fuck off. 
and and it's like all these people are all about like oh permaculture should be for free and permaculture should be we should all help each other and it's like you know what there's a there's a thousand people at permies that have unanswered questions right now can you help any of them no i can't do that i don't have time for that and it's like you won't help a, a random stranger out there but you don't and you don't know me i don't know you but you expect and that's the other thing these people expect me to help them for free and frankly i look at their shit and their, their shit is crap. It's lame. I'm not going to promote your lame-ass shit. And so, um, uh, all right. So, the, the, right at this point in time, my, my current rant is help. This, this help, is therapeutic. Help you, <laughs> you. Help yourself. Help me help you. Yeah. It's like when somebody yeah. when somebody says, Paul, can you help me? And they've got like 200 posts out of Permies and they've been helping people. And they've got like 20 apples. Oh, you bet. I'm going to totally help them. Yeah. I I help them. Yeah. They have they have done everything that I've suggested, and and we've got threads on how to how to promote your shit at a permies. Yeah. And um and they're doing everything that I've asked. When when people follow my advice, I so want to help them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then when they I don't know them and they don't even know me and they want help, it's it's like, fuck off. <laughs> Just I I. You know, there have been a couple of times where, where people don't know me, they've never posted out of Permies, and um, yet I looked at their stuff, and it was like, wow, that is really good. That, that I, I really like that. And, and then I'll promote it, mm-hmm. because, just because it's good. But I'll usually send them an email saying, I hate that you don't know who I am, and um, uh, you know, this is the first time we've ever talked, and you've never posted it at Permies, and you've never done all the things that I advise and suggest, which now I'm giving you links to that. But I like your stuff so much that fuck you, I have to help you because your stuff is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I hate this, but I love it at the same time. So I'm going to promote you. I just want to mention, too, that if people are posting at our Permies, what the current goal is, one of the current goals out there is to have more media-rich posts. So media rich, meaning pictures, videos, embedded embedded YouTube videos are awesome, pictures and stuff, because those kind of posts just show up better on Facebook. They show up better on Pinterest or whatever other social media things you can link to when you've got lovely pictures. And plus, your eye is drawn to the stuff with pictures and the stuff with videos, and I think people enjoy that. So if you're posting out of Permies, that helps a lot. Um, I've got two more items on my list. Um, uh, one is about the cards. I've contacted like 10 or 12 different, um, people outfits and, uh, I've, I've gotten nowhere with this and it's, it's kind of making my stomach hurt. One, one party has moved forward and they're, they're doing admirably, but the rest of them, it's like, I'm, I'm speaking a different language or something. And so we've got a, um, there's going to be a spare card in the deck of cards. And on one side of the card is printed resources, and there's going to be nine resources listed there. And so what I've done is I've contacted these people, which I thought for sure would, like, grab it and run with it. And I said, um, basically, if you um, make a web page at your site and, and, and refer to the cards, and then you direct a bunch of people to your page, and then they go to the Kickstarter, and then um, they put in they, – they buy a brick – and or, or whatever, then um, there's a report that Kickstarter generates, and it says, here's where all the money came from. Right. And it's like, um, and so for my last Kickstarter, it said, you got $12,000 from Jack Spearco. 
Right. So I made him the supreme executive producer with Bacon, Cheese, and Sparkles on our all four DVDs. Right. And so I said, I'm doing the same thing this time, but if, it's, if you bring in $4,000, I'll list you on the resources card. Right. You know, and um, it's like only one person has actually taken me up on it. Huh. And the rest of them, it's like, what? That doesn't make any sense. I don't have $4,000. Yeah, I, I'm not saying you need to have $4,000. I'm saying you need to, you know, send a bunch of people over to it. If you tell people about it, and, and frankly, I think everybody has been awed by these cards. I think that the cards are excellent. And um, Oh, I showed them to some people who have no real interest in permaculture, and they literally went, ooh, ah. Yeah. <laughs> in in uh, genuine admiration of the card. So I, I kind of feel like it's not a difficult – I think it's a really easy thing to do, and yet it's like I, I don't think this is difficult to comprehend. Yeah. You know, if you just send people my way, enough of them, I'll, I'll make you a resource on the on that card. And um, it, it – I, so I, may, I can't help but think there's got to be 20, 30 people that have a website of, of significance enough that they could, you know, direct some people to the card. And if we get enough, I'll, I'll list you as a resource on the card. It's, it's, I don't know. It seems so, so really, really simple. The last item I have is just a quick thing. Um, uh, years ago, I talked about getting a new laptop. And um, I found out that there I, I've spent way my, – my laptop – which turned out to be a total lemon, is falling apart. It's crashing. Uh, for a while there, it was crashing every day. And um, uh, and, and it hasn't crashed in a while, knock on wood. Um, but um, uh, I've got a new one on order, and um, I've got a strategy. And I hope I found out that there's new chips out that are extremely low energy. And, so, um, and that's one of the things that really drives me nuts about my new laptop is it is an energy pig. And I didn't know that until after I bought it. So I did a lot of research on that. I'm trying to find something that will last five years. So then people can buy a laptop and then it lasts five years. And so then people are buying less laptops. That's less right. toxic gick going right. out into the world because these things are riddled to the gills with toxic gick. Um, so uh, and cutting your energy use. And then another big one is, is, is to eliminate the crapware. And I think I've got a recipe for um, how anybody can get a laptop with zero crapware. Um, as well as low energy and stuff like that. So I'm making progress on it, but uh, and and more news as events warrant out at I've been posting it at Meaningless Drivel out at Permies this this information, and that's it. That's that's the list. That's everything we wrote down. Awesome. So it's very ranty, but I think a lot of people seem to enjoy my ranty stuff the best. Um, and I don't know how permaculture this is. In a way, it's like permaculture finances. Um, oh, totally. I, I think it's very permaculture. And I, I think the idea of just pushing, pushing, pushing residual income for um, people so they can do more of their permaculture projects is, is an amazing thing. How to stop being a wage slave. Yeah. You know, um, really, doesn't that come back to it? I mean, so many – I don't know how many – it seems like as we go out and I was presenting, we kept running into people that hate their jobs and they just don't feel like there's any way out and they're drowning in suburbia or in a gray place and they're nobody and they don't matter. And they just kind of want to and – I, and I kind of thought that the moment that we bought land, we'd have like 500 people that all want to be here and we'd have a hard time figuring out who to allow onto the land. 
And um, and now it's like we've got I – mean, Jesse's here. Jesse's back. Right. He was here well, for like a, a week and a half before. Now he's back. And he's someone that he and his family, his wife and two kids, they figured out how to reduce their expenses so he doesn't have to be a wage slave. And he's been able to get some time together to come out here again and help out because he's just so excited to be learning this stuff and helping accelerate the project. So, yeah, Je- I think it's pretty amazing that he and his family have figured out to live without the wage slave stuff, too. So he's a great example. You, it can be done. Um and I don't think this was so much ranty as as you thought. You 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 had your swearing and your rant in there in a few spots, but um, but I think it's about okay. We need better business models, and there and there's opportunity for business models. There's just only one or two out of ten people are really willing to run with it, though. I think we've got a lot of like right now. We're currently trying to hire a kitchen commander. Yeah, and and then that would be paid, uh, you know, room and board and fifteen hundred bucks a month, and and then we're also looking for a couple of people that would be more construction-y, um, and and we we're talking about those would be paid just to get us to the workshops, and um, yeah, we're having a we, hard time filling these things. We are, and at the same time, I I was really sure that we would have you know all these people come out and and that they would want to do all this kind of work. Well, you um, know what I said about that. Then you posted no pot allowed, and I think that took eight. Oh yeah. out, I think that took eight out of ten people out of the running. That still were, worth it. That were like they would have come, but now you said no pot. Now they won't come. Which is fine with me. That right. that totally works for me. Right. Um, and I I would much rather have nobody here than than you know. And and granted, a lot of the people, it's like they might partake once a month or something like that. But it's kind of like that's I just don't. In fact, somebody posted a link to where somebody um, they were like they were in in a community, and then they said um, then then they had a falling out and they left. So they decided to call the DEA or something and said those guys are smoking pot out there, and um, they they didn't even show the warrant until they had everybody on the property in handcuffs on their knees. And yeah, they, a SWAT team came out to this intentional community because they were reported for growing pot out there. And, and it they, turned out to be false. Yes. But how awful is that? Ugh. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, uh, you're yeah. held at machine gun point by somebody wearing armor. Um, and then and you, in handcuffs without them showing you a warrant first. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, you know, and people are like, you know, no, you should, you know, no, the pot battle is just not my battle. That's yeah. somebody else's battle, and I just don't want any of it here. I don't yeah. want to be a vector for that kind of yeah. nightmare. And I think I think uh, a lot of people get that, and, and a lot of people don't get that. Yeah. And um, they think I should fight all the battles all the time, and I'm just, I just don't have any more cycles. No, and I think there's some people that want to move out here next year. Um, and, and so because they weren't quite ready to make the leap immediately when you purchase property because they're responsible, they have jobs, they have <laughs> families, they have, and we want the responsible professional people. And so I think some of those people may end up coming next year. And, um, so it just may take a little bit longer than what we had hoped, um, which is part of the frustration, but just how it is. I think we'll have some entrepreneurs here 
that will mm-hmm. have layered they'll they'll have integrated their business with all the rest of the businesses here and i think we'll have some people that are more like you know what i haven't found my entrepreneurial thing yet i'm a laborer i'm going to um fill you know, in where where it's and needed a, and maybe something will come along someday oh. and i think so far uh yeah anyway we got to wrap up this podcast if you like this sort of thing Come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about residual income streams, homesteading, and permaculture all All the the time. time.